Hello everyone and welcome to the 3Ball. I'm your host Sam and in today's podcast we are going to be previewing the Western Conference for this upcoming 2023-2024 NBA season. If y'all missed last week's podcast, I did the same thing for the East. So if you're a fan of an Eastern Conference team, make sure to go check that out. All I'm really planning on doing is just kind of previewing some potential storylines, what I think could happen in this Western Conference this year, what's likely to happen. Or just some thoughts that cross my mind about different teams. Really, just whatever direction it goes is where it's going to go. So, yeah, that, that's really the plan for today. C- couple of, logi- of logistics things. We're going to hopefully get this podcast to twice a week once the NBA season starts. Obviously, that starts on Tuesday, which I am very, very excited about. With Suns, Warriors, and Lakers, Nuggets. I believe those are the two games we get, we get day one, which is very exciting. My Grizzlies open with New Orleans, which should be a good matchup. Zion versus Jawless Grizzlies, but still should be a good one nonetheless. But anyways, let's go ahead and start talking about this Western Conference as a whole. And I said this in the Eastern Conference video too, the West is absolutely stacked. Like if you look at teams 1 through 13, I'd argue, you say that these 13 teams have really, really good shots at contending for a play-in spot, or contending potentially even for a playoff spot. Even the last two teams, those two teams I'm referencing are the Blazers and the Spurs, those teams aren't that bad. They like they have some you know capable pieces who can help them win games. Like the Western Conference, I don't think you can say a singular team got worse except for the Trailblazers. Maybe you could say some other teams got worse, like, around the edges. But what I mean is, like, you know, significantly going to be, like, for sure going to be worse than last year. The only team I think you can say that for is Portland, who wasn't even good that, like, who wasn't even that good last year. So, that, like, the West is absolutely stacked from top to bottom. So, let's go ahead and dive into some of these better teams in the West. The teams that I think have a chance of winning it. Um, let, let me just go through my wreck, wreck my brain real quick. Let me see how many teams I think could win the West. I think the Denver Nuggets could win the Western Conference. I think that the Phoenix Suns could win. The Warriors obviously can win. I think the Lakers can win. I think a healthy Clippers team, they have to be fully healthy. But I think if everything goes right, a fully, health, fully healthy Clippers team can do it. I think... Uh, and I think the Grizzlies can do it. I don't say that from a biased standpoint. I just think that genuinely. I think if I mean, the the right things have to be in place. I'll I'll talk about the Grizzlies in in a little bit. But we'll, let's go ahead and start off with the defending champions, the Denver Nuggets. Obviously, favorites to win potentially the NBA championship this year. I think that the four teams who appear to be front runners this year are Denver, Phoenix, Milwaukee, and Boston. Those four teams seem to be, you know, a, a tier above the rest in terms of talent, in terms of you know just player personnel and and skill and just, you know, potential to win the championship. Those four teams seem to be among among the top. And when you look at their rosters, totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. Denver, obviously, defending champs, Jokic, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., KCP, Aaron Gordon. They got a real, really good team over there. And then Phoenix is, you know, they, they, they acquired Bradley Beal and Kevin Durant in the past year. So they are obviously looking very, very, very good. So... Let's go ahead, as I said, we'll talk about Denver first, then we'll get to Phoenix afterwards. Denver, you you could argue Denver got worse. You you could argue Denver got worse, and that's because they had to let Bruce Brown go, they had to let Jeff Green go, and they instead brought in Justin Holiday. I think that's all they brought in, maybe some fringe guys, but they brought in Justin Holiday. That was their quote-unquote big free agent signing. So they really didn't make moves to get better, but 
I don't think you necessarily that necessarily say they got significantly worse. Obviously, Bruce Brown and Jeff Green were two huge, I mean, huge role role players in their championship push last year. When it, when it comes to winning a championship, all players who play every game are impactful, and Green and Brown obviously were very impactful. So I think the Nuggets will miss them. I, I, I I'm not saying they won't miss them. I I, I think they will. But I don't think they take away from the greatness of Nikola Jokic and what he can make happen on the basketball court, especially when you pair him alongside this lineup that we we know works together. We know that this that that that, that this lineup led by Jokic and Murray work really well. They have the offense, they have the defense. It just is a lineup that meshes really well behind a good leader in Jokic. So I I do think this team is very very potent. I think they can win the championship yet again. I would not be surprised if they do, although something tells me that I don't. Uh, something tells me that they won't just just because as far as talent goes you 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 stack them up against any of those other three teams i mentioned at the beginning of this podcast the the suns the celtics or the bucks all three of those teams have more talent have have more outright talent than the nuggets but the nuggets are more cohesive unit the nugget the, the nuggets are a more stable unit we've actually seen what they can do on the court we have yet to see the suns bucks or celtics with their new and improved rosters in real game action. We've seen Damon Giannis play in the preseason. We've seen the Suns look really good in the preseason, but we have yet to see them, you know, play a real game. We'll, we'll, we'll learn more about, you know, Denver and Phoenix opening night, but it's one game. It doesn't tell you a huge story, one game. So we'll see how that goes. But like I said, Denver is obviously a team that is deadly and can win the championship yet again. And then we'll go ahead and transition to Phoenix. Obviously, Phoenix making the move for Bradley Beal and letting go of Chris Paul. That that, that could hurt them, but Chris Paul this past year really wasn't super effective for them. He wasn't the player that you would want him to be, necessarily. And, or at least on that Phoenix team, I think they would have wanted more output out of Chris Paul, especially considering that they didn't have KD at the beginning of the year. Then they went and got KD and still managed to fall in the second or third. When did they, they lost to... Who did Phoenix lose to? Oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank. They lost to Denver in the second round, that's right. But still, like Phoenix, they added Bradley Beal though, right? And and Beal and Booker can handle point guard duties. They they, they can handle it. They're not going to be as good as, you know, as good as a, of a pure point guard that Paul was, but both of them can score at will. We've seen what healthy Bradley Beal can do. He is killer. He averaged 30-plus a game regularly in Washington when healthy. And then Devin Booker, we've seen him be an all-star year in, year out. He's awesome also. So scoring-wise, they won't have problems. Not to mention, they also have Kevin Durant on their roster. <laughs> Just absolutely deadly. And then we, we, we can't forget to mention that they did lose DeAndre Ayton, which does hurt, but I, I think it's something that you're willing to make happen. Nurkic is going to come in and be a serviceable replacement. He's not going to be great, but he'll be serviceable. Defense isn't really there, but he's a big who can who can stretch the floor a little bit, make it easier for you know those guys to attack the rim and be their be their full selves. Right? Phoenix is clearly building around Booker, Durant, and Beal. That is the team they're building. And Aiton was a little bit you know he he could have disrupted that a little bit. So I do understand why they decided to move on. But that being said. Nurkic isn't necessarily a full upgrade, but when you consider that they also got back Grayson Allen in that trade, maybe not that bad, because Grayson Allen is not a bad basketball player. He can shoot lights out, and that's going to be really, really nice if you put him alongside, as I said, Beal, Booker, and Durant. And it's a great addition. They still have Josh Okogie. He'll defend well. And then, and, and then 
I think Phoenix had a really, really good offseason quietly. They added uh, who they they added a ton of players. They added Eric Gordon. They added Yuta Watanabe. They added Bull Bull. Um, they, they added they had a lot of guys, and they but then they did lose like the likes of Campaign. They lost Jock Landale. They lost a couple guys here and there. But I think the replacements are good enough to where I think you're content with it. So I do think that Phoenix is going to be absolutely killer if they can have all their pieces clicking. There's nobody that can match up with them talent wise. I don't think in the entirety of the NBA. I don't think the Bucks can match up with with them talent wise. I don't think well the Celtics may. I, I'm going to live by that. The top three on Phoenix, I think they can match the top three with anybody in the league. I think that Giannis and, 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 and Dame are a better duo than Booker and Durant, but I think when you factor in a Bradley Beal who's playing at his full capabilities against a Chris Middleton who's doing the same, I'm taking Bradley Beal every time by a pretty good margin, if you ask me. I just think that's going to work better. Uh, but... I, I like the Bucks, you know, rest of the team better. I like the Celtics, the rest of their team better. They obviously have four guys over there in Boston. They're going to be really, really good. But Phoenix, like I said, talent-wise, they may be the best in the league. And sometimes it's about who more who has more talent on the court. However, recently it's not been about who has the most talent on the court. Denver did not have the most talent last last year in the playoffs. Sure, they did against Miami, but that doesn't make them the most talented team throughout the playoffs. I would argue that the Lakers maybe had more talent than them, maybe. That's debatable. The Lakers maybe did, and they they uh, Phoenix lost to Denver. Denver obviously def they do not. What, what am I saying? I'm talking about Denver. Oh my gosh, Denver did not have more talent. Than Phoenix even last year, I think Phoenix probably had a little bit more talent, out outright talent than Denver did. And Minnesota, they got some talent too. They they got a lot of talent too. So obviously Denver not always the most talented team, but a team that works really well together. And then Phoenix. A very talented team. We'll see how well they work together. Those would be the two teams that are probably most likely to make out the West. And then there's that other group of four that I think have good shots. But a lot, like a couple of them, the Grizzlies and Clippers need to have everything go right. Lakers and Warriors, it's like you get hot in the playoffs and you have really good players. You have Stephen Curry, you have LeBron James. You have really good players to, you know, th- thrust you forward to lead you to win the game. And I'll start with the Warriors. They added Chris Paul, right? I think that this is a move more to get rid of Jordan Poole than to add Chris Paul. I don't know if that's controversial, but I think that's what the move was. Because Jordan Poole is a guy who wants to take his shots. He wants to make his name known. Not in a bad way, right? He he wants to be known in the NBA. He wants to earn money, earn a contract. That's how it works, right? Not necessarily a bad thing. But the way he's doing it could be detrimental to the Warriors, right? You don't want Jordan Poole taking 25 shots a game when you have Stephen Curry on your roster. See what I'm saying? Chris Paul ain't going to do that. Chris Paul's not going to take more than 10 shots a game, probably. Starting, coming off the bench, it doesn't really matter. Chris Paul's going to come in, play steady basketball, do his job. You're maybe not going to get the Chris Paul that you got in Houston and definitely not LA or New Orleans, OKC, even early Phoenix. You're not going to get that type of a Chris Paul. You're going to get... Last year, Chris Paul probably is the best you're going to get. I don't think we can you can expect too much more than that. But like I said, when you have Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green on your team, I think that you'll be fine. So Golden State, obviously, they can string some things together. Could be, yet again, a team to watch out for in the West. And then the Lakers, they have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. They can... You know, when when those two guys are clicking, they're tough to stop. They are really tough to stop. I think we forget how good Anthony Davis is because of all the injury things and all the narratives surrounding that. But when Anthony Davis plays, he is spectacular. Like, 
he is so, so, so good. You could argue he is better than LeBron James, like, straight up. And I, I think you'd have a legitimate argument to say, this year, Le- Anthony Davis is straight up better than LeBron James. Like, you, you, you can make that argument, honestly. You you, re- you really could. But I, I'm still giving it to LeBron just because it's LeBron James. He knows how this works. He knows, you know, he, he has a great basketball mind. He knows when to do you know, he knows when to kick into the extra gear. He knows how to win playoff games. He knows how to rally young guys. And we'll see how, you know, we'll, we'll see if he can do that with this Lakers roster that did improve. They did improve. They added uh, they added Gabe Vincent. They added Jackson Hayes. They added some guys who can come in and just play solid basketball. Just, just play solid basketball, which is really all they need, right? They needed to sort of clean up around the edges. And that's exactly what they did. This is a team that made the conference finals last year. They did really good. They beat Memphis. They beat Golden State. Those were two good teams that they beat. You know, and, and it really, neither one of those series did the Lakers ever look like they were the worst. They were the worst team. They looked like the better team in both of those series. Now, obviously, Denver came in and steamrolled them, but Denver was steamrolling everybody. So, you know, it, it's it's not that big of a deal. But I do I do think that the Lakers, obviously, they had the potential to make it out the West. Like I said, they 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 do have to string some things together, kind of like. The Warriors, they they gotta have some things happen, but I do think that they are a very very good team, and I think that they could challenge a Phoenix or a Denver. Obviously, I think they could challenge them. They would need a new game plan if they played in Denver because Denver swept them last year. The Lakers played Denver game one on Tuesday, so we'll see how that goes. Like I said, one game doesn't mean everything, but it does at least tell you a little bit of a story sometimes. But we'll we'll we'll, we'll see what that has in store when it comes. And then the last two teams who I think have a chance of making out the West are the Clippers and the Grizzlies. I think that things need to go right for these two teams, like very, very right. And the Clippers, that would be keeping Kawhi and Paul George healthy. I think we forget how good this team is when Kawhi and Paul George are healthy. Kawhi Leonard, we know what he can do. We, we've seen him. We've seen him win two Finals MVPs, two different teams. Like he is absolutely phenomenal. There's no really no other word to, to to describe how good he is when he plays. He's you know a lockdown defender who can score basically at will when he wants to. And then Paul George. Paul George has 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 had moments in his Clippers career where he just looks so so good. He making he's making tough shots here, tough shots there. He, he's a tough shot maker. You pair that alongside Kawhi Leonard, you should be in in a good spot. Then Russell Westbrook, he'll do his job. Like Russell Westbrook, obviously he's not going to give you twenty, you know, twenty-four, ten and ten every night, but he'll give you fifteen, six and seven. You know, that's not bad. I think you'd be happy with that. So Russell Westbrook obviously is going to come in and just do his thing. You don't want to be like the Lakers, Russell Westbrook, though. That was more of a detriment to the team. But I don't think that having Russell Westbrook hurt the Clippers last year, which is a good sign. So we'll see how they handle him this year. And then the Clippers did say they are going to start Terrence Mann, a good opportunity for him. And they refused to give him up in any James Harden deals. So hopefully Terrence Mann is really good and the Clippers are right about him. But if they're not... Then they could, then they might look a little bit foolish for not going after James Harden, because if they had James Harden, then they'd be right up there with with the Suns in terms of talent level, obviously fully healthy. Because Harden, George, and Leonard all have their own respective you know injury issues. Most players in the NBA today, most superstars, have some sort of injury issue. It's it's very very common in today's league. But hopefully that resting stars rule does improve that. And then there's the Memphis Grizzlies, my favorite team. If y'all do not know. And obviously, well, we're mis- we're missing John Morant twenty five games, which is going to hurt. But 
throughout the preseason, it, it looks like we're fine. Like we we were beating the Milwaukee Bucks starting unit, and and this was the most recent playoff game. We played the preseason game. We played the Bucks twice. But if you look at the recent one, through three quarters when the teams were playing their starters, we had a pretty significant lead. Uh, without John Morant, we were missing Stephen Adams too. Grizzlies were ahead of the Bucks, straight up ahead of the Milwaukee Bucks. Simply, like, you cannot deny it. Fourth quarter, things changed because bench unit, the Bucks bench unit came in and balled out. Happens. It's preseason. That's what's supposed to happen. But first three quarters, the starting unit for the Grizzlies looked really, really, really good. Uh, and that was with Jaron Jackson Jr. Having a, having a crappy game. He had a crappy game. And like I said, I have, I have more knowledge about the Grizzlies than I do most other teams. So I can, I can say this confidently. I think that Zaire Williams is going to be really good this year. If, if, if you've seen what, what he's done so far in the preseason, he looks really, really good. He's confident. He's able to get his shot. He's a great defender. He was guarding Damian Lillard the other night, doing just fine. While Marcus Smart was getting the Chris Middleton matchup, probably for resting purposes because Al Smart's only preseason game played. But still, Zaire Williams looked really good. He had this one super athletic dunk. Like He looks like... He's ready to go this season. Last year, he was injured at the beginning of the year. I think that kind of messed him up the, the, the rest of the year, sophomore slump type of thing. But I think this year, he's really, really ready to take that next step. I hope we start him. I'm not sure that's going to be the case. I hope that we start him when when uh, Jaws out, and potentially even when Jaws back. You have Marcus Smart come in as a sixth man and just be a lockdown defender, play his role. Like... I, I really, really do think that Zaire Williams is going to take a significant step forward. And losing Dylan Brooks, I, I think it's going to help. I, I've never been a Dylan Brooks fan since he stepped foot on the, foot on the court in his third season. I, I, since that season, it's been all downhill. He had a good rookie year because it was the whole second-round pick type of, you know, I don't know the word I would used to describe that, but he was second-round pick. Everyone was just like, oh, wow, look how good he is for a second-round pick, blah, 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 blah. And then second year got injured, and then third year it's, he started to uh, develop <laughs> in, into the shot-chucking defensive beast that he is. He is a defensive beast. Um, I'll give him that. He is very, very good defensively. Offensively, diff, diff, different story there. But defensively, very, very good. And Marcus Smart's going to come in and make up for that. Sure, Smart is, is shorter, but Smart has a great wingspan. He hustles. He plays hard. He's going to be the new heart of this team, which we need. You know, we, 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 need, we need a heart who, who can keep us going. And honestly, I think if, if, if John Morant comes back and is like on his A game, which there is potential that Jock comes back and is just ready to dominate the league, this Grizzlies team could be really, really special. Uh, I, I firmly believe that. I'm not just saying that as, as a hopeful Grizzlies fan. I firmly believe that if John Morant comes back and if we have Zaire Williams clicking and we have Bain and Kennard hitting, it's, it, it could be a really, really good season. Like I said, things need to go right in the playoffs. I think you have to rely on some sort of injury on a better team or just have a string of luck in games, winning the close ones, pulling them out in the clutch. It, it would take a lot, but I do think if things go correctly, you get favorable matchups, the Grizzlies could escape the Western Conference. I do I do say that as a hopeful Grizzlies fan, number one, but I also say that as a matter of fact. I think that that is a, something that could indeed happen. And those are the six teams that I really, really do believe have a chance to make up the West. The t- then there's one team that I'm like, okay, they they could, but the, the the chance is so slim. And that's the Dallas Mavericks. It's it's so slim. Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic need to work together in like perfectly. They need to be in unison, in sync, and and perfectly. We, we last year was not good for them. 
It, simply put, was not good for them. And I don't think it's going to be good for them this year either, to be honest with you. I don't think the Mavericks are going to be that good of a basketball team. Why? Because I don't think Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic fit well together. Honestly, I think that Kyrie Irving is, is, is a difficult player to win with at, at this stage in his career. He's just a difficult player to win with. Why is that? I'm not sure. He has playmaking ability. He's you know he's not unselfish. Like, he's not completely unselfish, but he's not completely selfish either. Like he's a good passer, and he and he can score without having to hog the ball every time. In uh, in theory, they should work well. They just don't. They just did not last year. And the Mavericks did make some additions. Grant Williams, the most notable one, but e- either way, like they're gonna need to figure out this Luca Kyrie thing. And if they do, and they can get going, they could make a push. But like I said, that would. Have, that would have had to be a miracle is really the only way I see that realistically happening. And then for the rest of the West, there's like a good group of teams right after them. The, the One of those teams is the Timberwolves. I, I don't know what to think about the Timberwolves anymore. I think that it has gotten to a point now where the Timberwolves are committing more to Anthony Edwards than they are to Carl Anthony Towns. What that spells out for Carl Anthony Towns, I couldn't tell you, but... It, it looks like that they are going to be committed more to Anthony Edwards, which makes sense. You look at what he did to Team USA this past offseason. He looks stellar. You look at the steps he's taken in his first three years. He looks incredible. Anthony Edwards has all the tools, all the like he has all the off the court stuff, the on the court stuff. He has it all to be an NBA, like an absolute superstar in this league. And I don't think, I, and if it happens, I don't think any of us will be surprised at this point in time. He's absolutely incredible, and I think I think Minnesota's ready to hand the keys of the car over to him. Like I said, what does that mean for Towns? I'm not sure. Is he willing to take a take take a step back, take a you know a, a smaller role? We'll find out. If not. Is there a trading store? Who knows? We'll, we'll see how Minnesota approaches that. Another good team out west is the New Orleans Pelicans. I think this Pelicans team could be sneaky good. I think it could be really sneaky good. I, I know a lot of people are thinking that as well. But I, I think this team could be sneaky good. A healthy Zion Williamson makes this team just absolutely incredible. They were one of the best teams in the west last year. They were atop, you know, atop the west with Memphis, Sacramento, and Denver for a while last year. But... They, they eventually, they did fall off and ended up missing out in the playoffs, I do believe. But they, they were right there in that hunt for a long time. It, it all depends on the health of Zion Williamson. Because a lineup of CJ CJ McCollum, Herb Jones, Trey Murphy, Brandon Ingram, and Joe Val can only take you so far. That, that's a good team, but it can only take you so far. You add Zion Williamson to that mix, and boom, your team goes from, you know, borderline play-in playoff team, good, you have good basketball team, very good basketball team, to top four seed in the West, competing. Like, really, really competing. That being said, I don't think they'll get out of the West, even if things go right for them. I just feel like they'll run into a buzzsaw at some point. I think that Denver outmatches them. I think that Phoenix outmatches them. I even think teams like the Clippers and the Grizzlies can outmatch them. The Clippers obviously have to be healthy. If they're not healthy, then a healthy New Orleans is probably better. But... Like I said, New Orleans, you just look at their track record with Zion's health. It's not good. So it's hard for me to place a lot of faith in them. But when... Zion is healthy. This team is scary, like really, really scary. And then another really good team in the West. I'm, 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 I'm sort of angry myself. That I didn't mention them earlier. It's the Sacramento Kings. I think a lot of teams. Are, I think, I think a lot of people are hopping on the Kings bandwagon right now. 
just, you know, a lot, of people, a lot of people like the Kings. What's not to like about the Kings? You know, they're a team that hadn't made the playoffs since 2006. They finally made it this year. They're led by a fun young guard in De'Aaron Fox, who matches up well with the big in DeMontis Sabonis. And they have, they have a fun team, right? They have a fun team to go watch play basketball. That being said, though, <laughs> they're, they're, they're a good team. But when you compare them with the talent of the rest of the teams atop the West, they're just lacking. They, they, they are lacking. Just, just... If you, if you put them head-to-head with any team in the West, on paper, they are going to have the disadvantage. Now, you take into account the fact that they took Golden State to 7, and, and and they had to win Game 6 in San Francisco in order to force that Game 7, and it took Steph Curry scoring 50 to, you know, to, for Golden State to even win that series. Like, the, the future is bright for Sacramento. That being said, I think they're going to need to add another superstar-caliber player. Maybe not better than De'Aaron Fox, but just... On the level of a Fox and Sabonis, you need to get a third guy who's that good, and I think they'll be they'll they'll be ready to go. Can Keegan Murray become that? Potentially, we'll find out. But this Kings team did look really really good last season. I'm, I'm interested to see how they do coming off a three seed. It's it's always interesting to see how these like young upstart teams do after they have their breakout year, because all of them have their breakout year at some point. It's always interesting to see how they perform the year following their breakout year. They either stay where they are. They rarely go up. Sometimes they do, but they, it, it's kind of rare. Unless they're like the five, six seed, then they go up. I want like a top two or three season. It's hard to go up, but it's very easy to fall. So we'll see how the Kings handle that. I think a lot of people are putting them further down in the West standings this year. I think they'll be a solid four or five seed, if I'm being completely honest with you. They could even be higher than that. It's just I just think it's going to be tough for them to match up talent-wise with some of these other teams in the West. When it comes down to it, who has the best player on the court often determines who wins the playoff series, and the Kings will rarely have that in this loaded West. And then I think that's most of the good teams in the West. I mean, there's a few other good ones, right? There's teams like, you know, the, the Rockets, the Jazz. Those teams are going to be okay. OKC, a lot of people are hyping OKC up these days. We'll, we'll, we'll see how they do. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how they progress, you know, a year after they... You know, they, they almost made the playoffs. They beat New Orleans. I'm, I'm pretty sure they beat New Orleans in order to, you know, force a, 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 an extra play-in game for themselves, which like, they, did, they did, you know, they did end up losing. But still, they made it there, which is really, really impressive. And I think a lot of people are, are, are sort of expecting OKC to take this next jump. I, I, don't, I don't see it, honestly. I, I just don't. In this loaded West, it's going to be really tough to break in. Like, it's going to be really, really tough to break in. So we'll, we'll see if OKC can do it. I'm not saying they can't. I'm just saying it's going to be really, you know, really challenging for them to do so. I love Shea. I love Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, Jalen Williams, Chet Holmgren. That's a good lineup. That is a very good lineup. But when it, when you stack it up against any, like, any team in the West, they're, they're at the bottom of the pack. Simply put, they're at the bottom. But we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out how they, how they play together. Shea obviously was incredible last year. I expect him to do more of the same this year. If you're okay, so you need him to do more of the same. You're not going to get to the playoffs if he isn't doing, if he isn't having the production that he did last year. So we'll, we'll see how OKC progresses. Don't, don't I'm not expecting too much. Uh, I know a lot of people are. I'm higher on New Orleans than I am on OKC significantly. I think New Orleans has a much higher ceiling. I like their team more. 
But OKC is obviously going to be very good in the next few years. I'm, I'm not counting them out by any means. They're going to be a good team in a few years. This year, uh, I, I, don't, I don't really know. And then I, I mentioned the Utah Jazz. Obviously, they added John Collins, a pretty solid addition right there. You pair him alongside Laurie Marketing and Walker Kessler and Jordan Clarkson. you got a pretty solid team. I think I, I really like the Keontae George draft pick where they got him at 16, I believe. I really, really like that pick. I think they got him a little bit, you know, I think he should have gone earlier, but he fell to there. So, good, good pickup, Utah. I think, I think he's going to be a stud. He may not be, but that from what I've seen, he looks like he's going to be really, really solid. And, and, and Utah, like I said, the real big addition this year was John Collins, but it's just another year of development, right? I'm interested to see if Laurie Markin is able to have the same type of output they did last year. Obviously, coming over from Cleveland, he wasn't expected of much, but he had a huge year. So we'll see how he does in in, in year two in Utah. Like I said, I, I, I'm, I'm expecting a little bit of a drop-off. Not, not a huge drop-off. I think John Collins will eat up some of those some of those touches, some of those minutes potentially. Maybe not minutes, but just some of those touches potentially. I'm not saying it's going to you know be detrimental to Laurie. I'm just saying it, it could impact him a little bit. And I think that, that teams now expect it, right? Last year was kind of unexpected. And even by the time that he, teams did start to expect it, the Jazz were already long gone out of the playoff race, all that. But, you know, at the beginning of the year when everyone's zero and zero, everyone in theory has an equal has equal odds of making the playoffs, in theory. So we'll we'll find out how, you know, Markinen and Collins work together. I really like Walker Kessler. That that, that I, I really, really do. That was a good pickup for the Jazz in last year's draft. Obviously a couple of trades to get that over to him, but it was nice for them. I wish the Grizzlies could have kept that pick and taken Kessler with it anyways, but not how it fell out. And then, then, then another team is the Houston Rockets. And this is this is going to be a fun team to watch this year. And I say that as, as a former as a Grizzlies fan, former Dylan Brooks fan, former. And I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how they work together. Obviously, adding Brooks and Van Vliet is going to take away from their young guys. You want to you want to commit time and resources into Amin Thompson, into Jalen Green, into Jabari Smith Jr., and even guys like Alpern Shingoon, right? Cam Whitmore. They have a ton of young pieces. And you add Dylan Brooks and Fred Van Vliet, two, two shot chuckers, simply put. They, they, they shoot the ball to shoot the ball sometimes. So not the greatest additions, and they got them on, lo- on large, long payroll. Like, it's it's just an iffy decision, I feel like. But we'll find out how they work together. They could be really good. They, they, they did make some improvements, but they could be crap. We'll, we'll find out. And then the last couple of teams in the West are Portland and San Antonio. Portland, obviously, adding DeAndre Aiden. They'll be a fun team to watch this year, right? They'll have a starting lineup of potentially Scoot, Simons, Sharp. Grant and, and Aiden. That's a fun team right there. That's a really fun team. One that I don't think can win many games, but a team that I think is fun. You got Malcolm Brogdon for now off the bench. Like th- that could be a fun team. And then San Antonio. It's it's just Victor Wembanyama. <laughs> they're 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 televised because of Victor Wembanyama, and they're gonna build around Victor Wembanyama. And honestly, I think it's a good thing for San Antonio to be bad this year. I think it's a good thing while Victor is you know still still blossoming. I think it's good for them to be bad. You get another piece or two to pair alongside Wimby, who can create a duo potentially, or just form the basis of a really, really good contender. Wimby can't do it by himself, so if they could get another guy through the draft, I think that would be really promising. Although this year's draft class doesn't look as good as last year's, it doesn't really matter. You can't say that until they reach the NBA. So we'll find out how how that shakes out. But we'll, I, I'm, I'll watch San Antonio games because of Victor Wimbyama, as I'm sure most people uh, are going to as well. 
But yeah, that that's really all I have for today's Western Conference preview. As I said, I think there's, I think there's six teams who have a decent chance of making out the West. A couple of them, you would need to have more things go right than for others. But either way, to, to make to make it to the NBA Finals, you need to have things go right in one way or another. Some stroke of luck is is bound to happen, or is is going to be needed. It it, it, it it's inescapable to be honest. But anyways. The, uh, the, as I said, those six teams, Denver, Phoenix, Lakers, Clippers, Warriors, Grizz. I think those are the six teams that have good shots, and I think if things go right, the Mavericks could, but that would have to be like extremely right. But anyways, as I said, that is going to do it for this Western Conference preview. If you enjoyed it, please leave a like and subscribe or do whatever on whatever listening service you're on. As I said, though, or if you have any comments... Make sure to uh, leave those down below. I don't know if all the platforms do, but if if they do, please do. I'd love to hear from y'all. But as I said, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, I guess. It's a podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. Until next time, I'm out.